It's good. Are you in Stillman Studio? I am. I haven't seen you in so long. I know. You look good. You look good too. Oh, thanks. What's going on? Um, what is going on? Are you, you healthy? Know? Yeah, it seems to be, you know. Good. Who knows? Right. Well, so. we are um, finally over the, the, the hump. Uh-huh. Jonah is better. That's good. And everybody's feeling good. That's good. And the rest of you are healthy. So far. So far. I was the only one here with him when he was sick. I see. Yeah. So that was good. All right. So before we get into that, I need to ask you, I need to, because I, I need to uh, let people know how we know each other. Okay. Like, like most of my relatives, I call you a cousin. I have zero fucking idea how we're actually related. I know. It's so funny because Sadie asked me yesterday, she said to me, is Barack my cousin too? And I was like, yep, but I'm not sure. <laughs> Kristen says just... <laughs> So it's your mother, your mother, mm -hmm. and my mother. Mm -hmm. are... Like ninth cousins. No, not ninth. I don't think so. I think they're like maybe second cousins. Okay, so we're like third or yeah. fourth. Yeah. yeah. Kristen says that basically all Jews are cousins. <laughs> So, you know, there's that. That's kind of like, I just don't know. I just don't know. I just don't know. But anyway. No, I don't know. But we should ask, actually. All right. We should ask. I'll, I'll ask my mom. Um, okay, so tell me how this is going to go. Are you, like, editing this after the fact? Oh, you are. Okay. Yeah, cool. don't worry. It's going to end up, we'll probably talk for, like, half an hour, and it'll end up being, like, five or six minutes. Okay. Or less if you suck. Okay. Which is possible. It's possible. Um, um, yeah. Okay, but before we start, can I just run and pee quickly? I was please, on my way please, please, and don't take the as some people have done who are new to zooming. Don't take your laptop with you. Right. Right. Okay. Okay. I'll be right back. Bye. Nor your microphone. Right. Okay. I'm coming. Hey, you're back. Hopefully I can, uh, we won't hear dogs barking and kids yelling in the background. No, that makes it better. Okay. okay. 
So, Hi. so um, where? Tell me your name, and if you don't mind, how old you are, and where you live, and who you live with, and your and where you are, what your work is, and where you are right now, please. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm Sharon Rockland Stillman. I'm 55. I'm living in a suburb of Minneapolis, Minnesota called Tonka Bay. It's on Lake Minnetonka. Um, I'm the mother of three children, a 20-year-old son, uh, a 23-year-old daughter, and an 11-year-old daughter. And I currently have um, just my 20-year-old son and my 11-year-old living with me at home. My daughter, um, my oldest daughter, moved out a couple weeks ago. So, Where is she um, living? In, in Minnesota? Not too far away, yes. Yes, she's a, a seventh grade uh, language arts teacher at the lo our local, actually this school district um, uh, middle school. Mm. Uh, nice. She's an honors, honors language arts teacher. Yep. What does and, that mean? What is language arts? So English, language, English, anything to do, you know, composition, comprehension, all things English. And I am coming to you from my ceramic studio in the basement of my home. And, um, I've been um, pretty much working as a ceramic sculptor for the past three, four years. And prior to that, I, w I was working in mixed media. So this is primarily the medium that I'm working in right now. All right, I'm gonna, can I try an experiment? I wanna try, I've never done this. I mean, I've done this, but I've never done this while recording yeah. the Zoom. I wanna try share my screen with you and then like go to your Instagram and look at some of your ceramics and ask you about them. Cause they're oh. cool as fuck. Oh, thanks. Okay. It like, I, they're like, I mean, I see like, it seems like ceramics is like the new, like everyone I know is doing ceramics, but no one I know is doing ceramics. Like you're doing ceramics. Okay. All right, let me try this. So share desktop, make sure like there's no like, pornography or anything. Well, you can my... go to my website. You can go to my website. All right, then go, okay, here. Uh, Instagram, I don't think you can go to Instagram from your laptop, can you? Yeah, of course, yes I can. What do you, oh. what's better? I'm trying to, probably my website. All right, so, Sil I mean, Stillman, stillmanstudio.com. Yeah. Um, all right, there we go, see? Is that a pro, is that a pro tea, Sharon? It is, Barack. How That's cool. How astute of you. I'm very astute. Yes. So talk, to, so where do, should I go to the gallery? Sure. Okay. So, wow. See, like, that's just cool. I mean, how did you get the idea to do these, like, super, like, delicate? So, um, I, unlike most, not most, but a lot of ceramic artists, don't work on the wheel. I don't make um, bowls and mugs and platters. I hand build. So I cut and form all of these shapes ahead of time. And then I sort of arrange them to create 
I would say, not really existing. They exist in my mind, but I'm, I'm very much work from my influence of having grown up in South Africa and living amongst gorgeous flora and fauna and um, um, plants that are come from the ocean, anemones and that kind of thing. So I kind of just use these shapes to create these flowers and um, yeah, so I um, hand build and hand cut each little petal and make the flowers and then I glaze them and fire them. You glaze them like once it's assembled or do you glaze the pieces before? Both actually, mm -hmm. a little bit of both. I sort of do it before and then if I wanna add to it, I over glaze and, and then I actually fire them multiple times too, um, just to create different layers of layers. Yeah. Are they, are they usually, displayed like on a surface on a horizontal surface like a table they, or can they go they, on a wall they're designed to hang on the wall oh. like the one you see behind me oh cool um and i've got a couple here i could show you want me to show you yeah sure right there wow those are cool so they are designed to hang on the wall Mm -hmm. But uh, but they can be sit on a table like I have this piece over here that's just sitting on my windowsill in my studio. Yeah. I think like if I if I were to get one, if I were lucky enough to own such a thing, I think I would want it that way personally. On a table. Yeah, like like okay. the flower like the flower it 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 represents. Right, right. But, but right. I that's they're cool on the wall too. Yeah. So. Um, now that I'm, you know, now that we're sheltering in place and quarantining and all of that, um, I'm fortunate enough to have this wonderful studio to keep myself busy. So I'll be puttering around quite a bit in the next couple of weeks. No pun intended. No pun intended. Right. right. So, okay. So, um, uh, I think it's going to be crazier and crazier as time goes on during this COVID-19 thing. Yeah. Uh, and, and more and more of us are going to know people that are directly impacted, but you are the first person I know to be, well, I guess indirectly impacted because you found out that your son, it was, was COVID-19 positive. I don't know if people are using that, that phraseology right yet. But um, can you tell, I mean, if you're comfortable talking about it, can you talk about that? Mm -hmm. um, so my son, who is uh, almost 21, does quite a bit of traveling. He um, does public speaking. And so over the past uh, six weeks, he had been in um, Thailand, Australia and the United Kingdom and also with layovers in South Korea and in China. And so uh, two weeks ago, he was in the UK. He had been there for six days. Um, and on the last day on his way um, to fly home, he called me from uh, London and he said that he didn't feel good 
and he said that he woke up and he had a cough and I thought it was kind of unusual because normally just from past experiences when when their kids have been sick they have sometimes have a cold first they have a runny nose they kind of have some upper respiratory thing and then they get a cough and I just thought it was weird and I asked him if he felt like he had a fever he said he didn't and he never had a thermometer and he just had a cough so he um got on the plane to come home and I just kind of took it upon myself to call a pediatrician and just ask them um, their thoughts about it. And I described that he said he had a cough and he didn't feel great. And so they said, well, when he lands, why don't you check in and see how he's doing and then give us a call. So when he landed, I um, brought with me to the airport a mask and a thermometer and I took his temperature, he did not have a fever, but he did have a cough and he said he really didn't feel good. So I called them back and they said to bring him in and just, they would take a look. But they did also tell us to meet them at a separate entrance and not come in the main entrance. And they met us at the door with a hazmat suit, which was kind of alarming. I mean, two weeks ago, things were not quite as intense as they are now. So we were kind of really freaked out about it. And they took us into a room and um, the nurse was in a hazmat suit and the doctor was too. And um, they asked him a bunch of questions. And first they actually did a flu test because I guess that's kind of protocol right now to make sure that it's not flu. And fortunately we could wait for those results which only took about 10, 15 minutes. That, that came back negative. And then the doctor just felt based on, you know, where he had been and where he had traveled that she wanted to test him for COVID-19. So they went ahead and they did that. Um, so wait, 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 sorry. They had that, they had that test right there at the doctor's they office? They did, which also is kind of surprising. I mean, it was a pediatrician's office, right? Mm -hmm. And um, kids are not really typically getting it. And actually, you know, he's kind of almost aged out of the pediatrician's office, but I just called because I happened to know them really well. And it was in our, they're close to home and on the way from the airport. And I just thought, I'll just call. So the fact that they had the test was also really surprising. Maybe, maybe your pediatrician is doctor to like the local NBA team or something. <laughs> Anyway, so they did this nasal swab and throat swab and he spit into a jar and then they took us out this back door and they said to us that both he and I needed to go into quarantine until we got the test results, which they said would be 24 to 48 hours. And this was now um, March 11th, which was a Wednesday. And we waited Thursday and Friday and as the days went by, he got sicker and sicker. He then proceeded to have a very sore throat, horrible body aches. Um, and uh, 24 hours went by, 48 hours went by. Finally on the Saturday, which was the 14th in the late afternoon, we got a call and they did it in fact that he tested positive, which wow. was shocking. I mean, I didn't think he had it, you know, yeah, he had a sore throat and he had the body aches. It just seemed that it wasn't going to be possible, but he did in fact test positive. Can I ask you a sort of mundane question, but the, yeah. the nasal swab, yes. um, that I, 
how deep did they have yes, to go? He said that it was extremely painful and he felt like it almost touched his eyeballs. It was so deep. Like he okay. said, it, he felt pain from the actual nasal swab for like almost an hour later that it was so deep. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. So, um, and then the hey, one time, one time in college, I had to have one of those like, you know, Q-tips stuck up my urethra. That was no fun, but I feel like the nasal swab would be, I forget yeah. why, I forget what college STD or STI was it <laughs> was in question. <laughs> but uh, but um, yeah, the nasal swab sounds Thank you for very. Sharing. Thank you yeah, you're sharing. you're welcome. You know, <laughs> I'm asking you to share some pretty intense stuff. I feel like I have to level the playing field. Um. Right, so right. okay, so he so, felt. yeah, so. But was he like? Was he? Were you with him when they did the nasal swab? And was he calm? Like, how did it? Was he calm about it? Yeah. Well, they made him sit on like the table with a wall so that he didn't like back up like this. You know, they wanted to make sure that they got it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He he said it was uncomfortable. Definitely yeah. uncomfortable. Okay. So so then you so now you know you knew and and what was the like. Just quickly, like, what was the kind of the yeah. trajectory of his symptoms yeah. and his feeling? Yeah, so, you know, went from, started with the headache in the UK and a cough, dry cough. Progressed to a very sore throat and horrible body aches. Legs, back, arms, complete body aches. Um, then also lack of appetite, no um, smell or taste. Um, and, um, and then he did develop a fever. I would say that was around day six, seven, and eight, um, which was like 99, 100, 101. It just, it didn't go higher than 101, but it hovered around like 100.9 kind of a thing. Uh, extreme fatigue. And for someone who's, you know, pretty athletic and um, in good shape and healthy, typically he was in bed all of that time. Um, and um, he's got a very high threshold of pain and he just said that his body ached. And we were originally, I was giving him um, Advil to begin with, but then all of a sudden all those studies came out and people started emailing me saying, don't give ibuprofen. That study, people were saying who had experienced it in Europe that they felt it made it worse. So we switched to Tylenol and Tylenol did help. And also while during the course of this, we did also start an antibiotic for amoxicillin because they thought I called and they said he may have strep throat because his throat was so sore. And he said that that helped him. So I would say by day um, eight and nine, maybe 10, he started to feel better. Um, the sore throat was gone, the fever was gone, still had no um, taste or smell and definitely still fatigued, but was like up and about. And by day 12, he was feeling like a lot better. And that was when we got a call from the health department. And by the way, the Department of Health in Minnesota was 
has been actually me still and him um, having us take our temperature twice a day and log it through a survey that they sent us online. Mm -hmm. So how, how was your, so it sounds like your experience with the pediatrician was actually pretty, well, kind of shockingly good. Like, uh, yes, yes. What about with your, with other aspects of the health ecosystem there? Like, like the, the Department of Health, et cetera. I mean, I would say our initial phone call with the health department, which was actually 10 minutes after we got the result saying that we were part, that he was positive, um, which was a 45 minute sort of like an intake call where we spoke to like a senior epidemiologist at the Minnesota Department of Health a very thorough um, line of questioning and answering questions. And then after that, for the first, I, I think maybe the first five days, we got a phone call every day from somebody, but I felt like those were sort of like maybe college age kids who were given a questionnaire that they like just a form that they needed to call and ask questions. It was mm-hmm. nothing like they, they weren't really able to answer any questions I had. I felt like I got way more from calling a pediatrician and talking to a triage nurse or the doctor mm-hmm. herself. Well, so, yeah, it seems like, it seems like those calls were more for surveying back up to right, the, like for, for, right. and, for, and the minister, and they did give us a number to call an emergency number, like during the week and on the weekends if we needed to. And I was specifically told that if I had symptoms that I needed to be seen. And then also during the course of this time, there was a day where I didn't feel great. And so they scheduled me to have a test and I was given a time to go through one of those drive-through tests. And then the night before they called and canceled it and Minnesota announced that they were not doing any more testing, uh, only to healthcare workers and to people who were already in the hospital with symptoms. So unless I actually had symptoms, I was not to go and get tested. Wow. So I've never been tested, but it's been, um, yesterday was 14 days, Wednesday was 14 days. So I'm now at 16 days from exposure and I've not, thank God, had any symptoms. Mm. And yeah. I'm yeah. still being monitored by the health department. Tomorrow's my last day. Mm. Um, can you tell me some a story or two? I mean, I, I must have been there. Must have been like some terrifying moments. Uh, there must have been some. I assume maybe some funny moments. I don't know. Like, what? Can you tell me some stories from from those those days when you guys were yeah. like? I mean, I'd say the one, the the scary part is obviously monitoring breathing. And, you know, although he didn't have any breathing issues, but I, I, he definitely was out of breath. Like if he went, we one couple of days, we went for a walk outside just to get fresh air and he was winded. And I thought that that was scary. Um, in terms of humorous moments, I mean, I just, you know, just, being in a mask, gloved, you know, freaking out, running around the house, wiping anything and everything, just freaking about like how, you know, preventing myself. And even to the point of like washing the dogs. Cause like, I don't know if he coughed on a dog, could the dog have the germs? And then I touch the dog and touch my face. So you just find yourself being sort of like over overkill in terms of cleaning and sanitizing. How did you get, how did you guys like navigate that? You said like 
monitoring his breathing was was hard and scary. Like, how did you yeah. guys know? Okay, yeah. we don't need to go get admitted. Yeah, to, uh, I mean, admitted to the hospital. I, you know, he. I mean, I felt like he was capable of letting me know if he thought he needed to be seen. And I mean, it was just the two of us in the house, so it was a lot easier for me. I mean, I really just was able to be taking care of him 24 seven. And so, you know, I trust him in telling me that if he thought he needed to be seen, that he would tell me. And um, yeah, I mean, seriously, if it wasn't for like, it takes a village, I, you know, during this time I decided to blog on Facebook. I just felt like there were a lot of people who maybe could get some help based on the things I was experiencing. And we were constantly having food dropped off at the front door and um, just, we really isolated for the entire time. I just wasn't willing to risk coming into contact with your siblings or with my aging mother or, you know, my aging in-laws or anybody. So we really did isolate. Where are the, where are the, Where's your mom and where are the in-laws? So my mom, yeah, all in Minnesota. And, you know, my mom has asthma, so I thought it was risky. And um, my father-in-law is a kidney transplant recipient. And so, you know, they're all in their 80s, immunocompromised. And um, so that part, I would say, Speaking up scary is the scary part. Just knowing that you can give it to somebody else, not even having symptoms yourself, that you can be a carrier and give it to somebody. Right. So, um, and none of his siblings had been in contact with him since before he went to the UK. So I really do feel like he somehow picked it up in the UK, either on public transport or on the so, plane. Yeah. So you don't think it was actually in one of his like transit through I don't, China? Because they're saying what they're saying and what seems to actually be the case is that uh, from the time that you're exposed to it can be five days to, to, to two weeks. And he had been on that plane to the UK exactly five days before he showed symptoms. So it seems to me that somewhere either on the plane go or in the airport or being on a train in London or the tube or something. Yeah. What's his work? What's his started to display some Jonas work? Yeah, what's it what's his work that he at such a young age is is doing such cool travel? So he um, works with his dad uh, speaking about his generation in the workplace. They've published a book together. Um, it's called Gen Z at Work. And so Jonah and his dad speak about Jonah's generation, which is Gen Z, the generation after the millennials, who are starting to enter the workplace and graduating from college and in high school. And so they travel all around the country and the world, speaking to companies about how to market and manage the generations, his, his particular generation. They speak about the other generations too, but Jonah specifically talks about his generation. By the way, I did actually know that. I just want 
That's for the benefit. I know. know. (laughs) Uh, John was also a consultant to the NFL for a year. Um, That's why his pediatrician has tests. It's all becoming very clear. You think so? (laughs) No. 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 No, And you know what? Because they don't even have... We called a couple days ago because... His sister, as it happens, has a cold. I, she does not have the virus, I'm pretty sure of it. But I called just to see if maybe we could get her tested, and they said they're not testing anymore. Not anymore, yeah. It was like a week of a window where they had right. it and they did it, and that was it. Right. Um, you're, you just tell me if you don't want to talk about this at all, but like you yeah. are, you're single momming now. Um, and so like you've already like like your life has kind of been changing like what's the just i don't know if you want to talk about this at all i'm just curious like what's has this been very can we go here or no sure okay so i mean so like your your life you you maybe a year ago or two years ago you would have not you would have this would have been really different now you're doing it by yourself like i'm just kind of curious about how how that's what's I mean, um, I'm, I'm currently going through a divorce. So, um, uh, you know, I mean, typically I'm, I'm, I've been a stay at home mom anyway, and I'm the primary caregiver to the kids. So I guess it's not really different in terms of me taking care of sick kids. I'm used to it and it's what I've always done. I, I'd say in a weird kind of a way, the, only blessing in disguise is that the other kids could go to their dad and not be exposed to the virus. I mean, typically we would have all been in the same house and, you know, I, I mean, Jonah was isolated to his own room and bathroom, but yeah, I think it just, you know, I mean, the stress of being on my own and being at night specifically is scary. Just knowing that you're the only person in the house and God forbid there's an emergency and, sort of being mentally prepared. And I think that more than the physical um, taxation of taking care of someone who's sick, who's got a virus that's extremely contagious, that you are the primary caregiver, you know, you're feeding them, you're taking care of them, you want to make sure that they feel good and you're in direct contact with them. But at the same time, you're dealing with someone that's something that's so contagious um, and trying to prevent yourself from getting it so that it's, it, it sort of like hit me, I would say, maybe two days ago, the, the mental taxation of it and just how completely exhausted I was. I think just not even realizing how stressful it was, just the whole taking care of, trying not to get it and being on my own sort of thing. So yeah, that that's different. And that's I guess the sucky part of being a single parent and um, when you, I mean, I was married for 25 years, so I'm not used to really being on my own. So it's all new, figuring it out, figuring it out. Was he not traveling with his dad? Mm -mm. No, he was on his own. Yeah. Mm, Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, What, um, I don't really know what else, I mean, what, like, what i don't know what else to ask you or do you have any advice for people do you like what's Um, like 
I, well, here's my advice. I think the lesson to be learned is that um, it seems like what we're hearing and seeing through the media is that this generation of kids um, are getting the, you know, are, are getting sick, but but the symptoms are mild. And so I think that that's maybe letting them think that it's okay not to be following rules and listening to advice of self-isolating, quarantining, and taking it seriously. I mean, you, you've heard about kids who are spring breaking on beaches and still out and about. I think what's important about this is that kids are getting sick and they're not, the symptoms are not necessarily as mild as they think they are. They feel pretty crappy. They're definitely sick. They should be isolating. They should be quarantining. They should be taking this seriously. Yeah. And I think not only if for their own health, but specifically for spreading it to their parents and their grandparents. Because even though, let's say, they don't have symptoms or they don't experience, you know, as um, drastic symptoms as as people who are older, they can still give it to their siblings and other people. And I, that's what scares me is that, you know, they think they're invincible. They think they're going to be fine. And Which is generally true of like that age, right? Correct. Anyway. Correct. Right. Yeah. The world's the oyster, right? right? And, and they're going to be fine and they have youth on their side. And, and I think in this case, it's not necessarily, I have, I have had multiple moms reach out to me in the past week whose kids have it and these kids are sick and they are really not feeling good and so i just would give a strong warning to that to those kids and say take it seriously and this is this is serious is he considering i mean given his job is he considering doing some maybe he's already done it some videos he's actually and doing um as as we speak he's he's upstairs on a call with npr right now and um he did do um the today show reached out to him and actually yesterday he got a call from the dr oz show so he's no. spreading the word and i you know i think if he can be a voice i mean you know good for him and I, I think he's just trying to make the case that I just made, which is, you know, be careful, be safe, and um, take it seriously. Yeah, well, I mean, it's much better. I mean, nothing off you, but it's much better. Like, young people are gonna listen to young people. Right, Generally exactly. speaking. Exactly, exactly. You know, I can give adv advice to caretakers and what I found worked for us and, and, and what I felt worked for him and what we did. and but ultimately he can be the one who can say to his peers, let's not mess around right now. Right, right. Mm -hmm. um, did he say anything like kind of that surprised you when he was during that time? Anything that like, or, or that kind of made you go wow or, or like shocked um, you? Yeah, how amazing I am. What a wonderful caretaker. <laughs> He never says that shit to you. He finally yeah, did. I was like, uh, yeah, let's just remember when you tell Dr. Oz, like how you got better. <laughs> uh, no, seriously. I, no, I just, I think, I think that, I think the most surprising thing is that for somebody who, like I said, has like a very high threshold of pain, a very high tolerance 
who's never sick, who I think was freaked out. Right. Was honestly like when he got that phone call that said you're positive, he was he was scared. Yeah. He was scared. How did he, had you seen had you seen him scared before? I've seen him scared one other time when his dad donated his kidney to his grandfather and the waiting in the hospital for his dad to come out of surgery. That was scary. That was scary for him. Yeah. So was it, and they were, how does he, I mean, what, how, how does his fear? Uh, emotional. I mean, just like the emotional toll and real when everything was okay, the emotional aspect of it. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. Is there anything, um, I haven't, first of all, let's see if people will be listening on NPR later and they'll hear the same dog barking. That, that's, that's how our, <laughs> these interviews will be connected. I, like I said, I know that was, yeah. but he's going to be on all things considered. I don't know when, if it was live, I don't know when, but, um, Oh, well, cool. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. uh, um, 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 anything I've not asked you about that you want to say? talk about no I mean I well the only thing I can say is you know starting tonight at midnight Minnesota is going into shelter in place and I don't think that that's strong enough I I think that we should be in a lockdown I do think the only way to to flatten this curve and to stop this virus from spreading because I went out this morning at the crack of dawn to get groceries, knowing that we're going to be sheltering in place. And people just seem to be going about their business and not really, I don't know. It's just, I don't know what it's going to take for people to realize how serious this is. So, Are you going to be one, are you going to be standing on a street corner with a big sign? Right. Like, nope, nope. Nope. Take this seriously. I'm going to be staying home. I went to the grocery store with a mask and rubber gloves. And um, I came home and I sanitized all the fruits and vegetables and washed everything. And maybe, maybe it's overkill, but I'm just not willing to risk it. You know? Yeah. Well, you've um, lived, I mean, you've lived through it. Like yeah, most people, yeah, I mean, right. um, yeah, so, I, yeah. I mean, look, I, 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 I kind of, I would love to just keep talking to you, but I kind of want to, like, I, I, what I've learned is that, like, for every extra minute I talk, like, it's like an extra hour of editing. Okay. <laughs> so, so uh, we're good. We're good. So, salam alaikum. Thanks. Mwah. Love, love you. you Hang in there. All right. Yeah. Give my love to Kristen and the boys and mom. And, Fr and Fritz. Right. Okay. <laughs> Peace. Love Bye. you. Love Bye. you too. Bye.